Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around him, and the impact he empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. It is, uh, yeah, it's really delightful to be here. I've been to Belfast a few times, um, yeah, and it's just something, yeah, something, what do you call it? There's probably no words for it, right? It's really great to be here. Oh. Just open our hands for a Just let his peace settle on you. We long for peace in this land, Lord, and we long for peace in our souls. We pray for your church in Ireland, that it would be a place of refuge and shelter and rest for thousands and millions of people, our Methodist brothers and sisters, Presbyterian, the Catholics, the Baptists, wandering nomads of Protestantism, Lord, the various and sundry monastic orders and sojourners peace for Ireland peace for Ireland she would be still and know that you are God. The stillness of rest and trust, the stillness of laying down our arms and our weapons, the stillness of courage and forgiveness, the stillness of grace, stillness of trust,
So Jesus, just as you walked through walls after your ascension, walk through our walls today, just as you breathed on your disciples and spoke peace over them, speak peace over us today. Jesus, just as you breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, breathe on us today, that we may receive your Spirit. Jesus, just as you spoke and sent them as the Father sent you, Lord, we say, send us, that we may see what the Father is doing and engage in his work. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a quote here that I have from Anselm of Canterbury, Benedictine philosopher and theologian who lived in the early 10th century, died in 1109, and I just felt to orient kind of how we're entering into just reflecting on the biblical text today and trying to gain a bit of an understanding of uh, some of what I feel to just bring to you, hopefully as encouragement and such, is the starting place of faith, or the, the starting place is faith-seeking understanding, not understanding-seeking faith. Is that going to make sense? And I think there's a lot of disorientation in our world today because we're trying to have the, the, the starting place understanding and certainty and getting things figured out and trying to get the answers instead of leaning into the space of mystery and life and true spirituality allowing faith to grow in us and then not afraid of the courageous journey of being a lifelong learner and gaining more and more understanding, whether that comes to us through science, whether that comes to us through biblical study, whether that comes to us through philosophy or the learning of experience of walking life, and we grow and we grow and we grow, but our faith remains resolute and vibrant in the midst of it all, even though sometimes it feels like everything is changing and we are changing ourselves. Does that make sense? And so my prayer today is that we would be drawn to a place of, of faith and wisdom rather than understanding and certainty that we could be courageous, especially in the shifting sands of culture and life, politic and economics, the ever-boiling cauldron of politic, that we would truly find our center in Jesus because we need a compass more than we need a map right now, right? We need wisdom more than we need answers. We need courage. And I think the Lord will give us these things. This is how I work it out. The sufferings we go through in this present time are not worth putting in the scale alongside the glory that is going to be unveiled for us. Yes, creation itself is on tiptoe with expectation. Eagerly awaiting the moment when God's children will be revealed. We know that the entire creation is groaning together and going through labor pains together up until the present time. And so together we pray. We groan.
creation groans. A planet gone mad. Earth ravaged by thoughtless expansion, exploitation of resource, and the gaping wounds of war. Holding in her bosom the bones and ashes of the dead, dormant, longing for resurrection's redeeming power. She weeps, she waits, yet she hopes. And so together we pray. We groan. Creation grown, scorched by chemical and untended, buried under asphalt, cement, and steel, climate mutation, viral variants, and plastic adulterations, yet she waits. Yet she hopes, let the kingdom come, let the children of God take their place, and we groan. Spirit, let us be good earth, tilled, prepared, soft and rich, ready to receive, where we are well-worn, hardened, and cynical, we groan. Where we are shallow and stiff, unable to sustain roots, we groan. Where we are prickly, sharp, and isolated, we groan. We wait. We hope, we seek first the kingdom, and so we pray. We groan with creation, awaiting the fullness of new life and the kingdom come. We anticipate with creation your resurrection power, seeping through each moment, each season, each generation. We clap with the rivers and trees, Sing with the mountains and shine with the sun, moon, and stars. We wait, we pray, we work, we hope. Let the kingdom come. Let the kingdom come. Let the kingdom come. Let's lift our hands for Belfast. Let's lift our hands for Ireland. Let's lift our hands. We pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Can we say that? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Here, on this earth, in this moment, as it is in heaven. Amen. I've been thinking about this morning and thinking about you moving into a new space, been thinking and praying about Belfast, been thinking and praying about Dublin, been thinking and praying about the Isle, thinking about Canada, been thinking about my journey, our journey and our nation, been thinking and praying about this unique moment in history when it seems like we're bound together in ways we never were before. There is something insanely upside down beautiful about the pandemic. 
There was beauty found in those ashes in a way that we are having to come together in ways we never have before. I've got dear friends in many, many parts of the world and our emerging association of vineyard churches in Nepal and Northeast India. My dear friend, Shara Bhutia, who, who oversees the vineyards in that part of the world. We've journeyed together for at least 25 years and I'm on the middle of the pandemic, and I'm on the phone with them, and we're talking about the same issue, like this crazy little virus that's just driving us all insane and killing some of us, like literally. And for the first time in my journey with him, we're not just kind of comparing notes and trying to find things to talk about. We're actually talking about some of the same issues the technological surges that are all around us, the, the uniting force and power of social media and various things have put us in a very, very unique place. And I think there's something right in front of us and probably upon us right now that we might not be super aware of. There is a cry and a need, I think an invitation from heaven to step into our culture and society in a winsome way, in a refined way that allows us to be more of a prophetic presence maybe than we've realized we were supposed to be. We've talked a lot in Vineyard history about cultural relevance. It kind of became sort of this thing, and I'm, I'm actually feeling like I don't think it's sort of Something was wrong, and now we're going to get it right. I think we needed to start somewhere, and now we've got to grow up. Cultural relevance, for the most part, if you look at the etymology of how this took shape and form in business and faith and culture in society, it really started at some essence in the 1960s as we had a surge, another global moment, right? kind of hippies and people just trying to get free of the shackles of institutionalization and various things. And the deepest heart cry was authenticity. And that's what cultural relevance meant. Some of you that are old enough in this room remember the times when we could not dress like this. I mean, it didn't matter where you were across the church spectrum. To sit on like padded chairs in a building like this, like anathema. You know, be, it would just be absolutely out unthinkable. But there was kind of this restlessness. Something doesn't feel authentic. I don't, I don't know what thee and thou and, 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 and raising an Ebenezer is anymore. I, it just doesn't even make a sense to me. Like, like, but, but it wasn't about trying to be cool and hip. It was this deep desire for authenticity. And I'm a little concerned. I don't know if I'm completely right, but I've been around a little bit, and I'm watching a lot of stuff going on. And somehow, cultural relevance in our current moment can potentially be one of the most inauthentic things we're doing. And the pressure amongst multiple generations to conform to, to you know, the pressure in social media, the pressure in what, whatever, I mean, I, I stopped being invited to do worship stuff, you know, not because I'm not a great songwriter or whatever. I just look terrible on YouTube. <laughs> like, it just doesn't work anymore. Like, legit, I'm not kidding you. It's a lie. Yes, thank you. Does that, does that kind of make sense? 
And so it's not that we don't want to be relevant to the culture, but we want to be authentic. And as followers of Jesus Christ and those of us that are called into the faith community, and if you're in this room and you're you know, on the journey of, of your own spirituality and your journey of faith where you're just wondering about Jesus or maybe it's the first time you've ever heard about this kind of stuff, hopefully as you're looking in on us, what you would, we, we would hope you would see and what we all would be for each other and to the community and society around is a signpost of the kingdom come. Something that speaks of something beyond itself. An actual prophetic presence in the midst of society. Which isn't launching, thus saith the Lord, words from a platform. It's not, you know, someone, I, I'm, I'm in, a, you know, in a role leading a national movement. I'll, honestly, I'll, sometimes people say, what's the, word, what's the word of the Lord to the country, brother? And I go, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out it for myself. <laughs> what's the Lord saying to the nations? Oh my gosh, like that, that's a huge thing to chew on, my Lord. Maybe he'll give us little snippets, but I, I, got, I took comfort because I went to the book of Revelation and I realized when Jesus was writing to the seven churches, some of you might be familiar with this, remember that? He's giving a word to the church, but he had to give seven different words to seven different churches in seven different locations, in seven different realities, and seven completely different letters. That's the beauty of the kingdom. We all serve this one king, and yet he speaks to us in our moment, in our situation. And of course, I'm not opposed to us coming together in massive unity, but we've got to, we, we can't keep leaning on something out there and trying to imitate some other thing, thinking that's the coolest way to go. Find out what the Lord is saying in Cave Hill. got this place on his radar. He's walked up and down the streets, you know, up and down this street, up there to where you're going to land in that other building. He, he knows what's up. What is he saying? How is he speaking to us? So let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of Cave Hill, of Belfast, of Ireland. If you lose your saltiness, if you just try to be culturally relevant, how will people taste goodness? They'll just get more of the same stuff. And if you can't do it as good as the thing you're trying to imitate, you're cooked. You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors of Belfast. Bringing out the God colors of Cave Hill bringing out the God colors of the new fabric of Irish society that is being formed by, by immigrants and ancient ones and, and you know, the, the, all the Celtic vibrancy and passion. You're to bring out those colors now. God is not a secret to be kept. 
We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine! Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to shine. The Greek here is to beam, to be bright, to be brilliant, to be radiant, to be clear, to ring loud and clear. Flash, gleam, shine forth, illuminate. And what are we shining? The text is very clear. You're not shining your greatest new song. You're not shining your great, you know, production skills on social media. Although all that stuff is great. I'm a creative. I love this stuff. But what we are to shine is our good deeds. What is the most beneficial for the most involved? This is the definition of good. This requires a lack of self-centeredness and the cultivation of empathy and compassion, the recognition of a greater cause which leans into benevolence, altruism, and selflessness. That is the definition of good. Deeds that do that. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is. Walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. The good way. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do Good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Command those who are rich. To not be arrogant. Or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything to our enjoyment. Command them. To do good. To be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. To be obedient. To be ready to do whatever is good. To slander no one. To be peaceable and considerate. Facebook posters. And always to be gentle toward everyone. And I want you to stress these things. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is... What is... 
These things are excellent and profitable for everyone, but avoid foolish controversies. Avoid foolish controversies. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. There's a bit more context to all this and all that, but here's the text. We've got to go figure out what this means. Don't have anything to do with them. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good. So obviously, if we're asked to be doing evil, we stand against that. But for as much as we are able, we do good. And by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. The answer to those who think we as followers of Jesus are a danger to their society is not to get in their face, is to not wave placards in their halls of power, is not to stand in protest necessarily, but it is to do good. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family, revere God, respect the government, which doesn't mean we always do what it says. It's posture, right? The end game is that we do good deeds so that we may shine in the midst of the culture, in the midst of Cave Hill, in the midst of Belfast, and one by one by one by one people will start to glorify God. Turn your ear to wisdom. Apply your heart to understanding. Call out for insight. Cry aloud for understanding. Look for it as for silver and search for it as hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Another translation of this particular text. Let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. Shine. 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 The call upon us is to illuminate And it's not pointing out others' faults. It's by doing good. It's not just by yelling and screaming what we believe is right. It's by doing good. It's not one against the other, but somehow this one really seems to get lost. We are to illuminate. Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament scholar, says this. The prophetic tasks of the church are to tell the truth in a society that lives in illusion. 
This is why maybe the f too much of a focus on cultural relevance doesn't help us that much anymore. It really did in the 70s and 80s. We, it was an important step forward, but now we need prophetic, we need prophetic life, living, and voices that expose the illusions around us. And the biggest illusions of all sometimes are right in the center of the Christian community. Grieve in a society that practices practices denial, songs of lament, helpful liturgy, helpful preaching that allows the, the, the groan out of our souls to come before the throne of heaven as we cry out in our time of need, as Romans tells us, and come boldly before the throne of grace and express hope in a society that lives in despair. So we must be present in this, you're not just getting a building in Cave Hill. You're moving into this neighborhood. The God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, look, this really kind of sucks right now. You're in exile. You didn't end up here under the best of circumstances. But you know what? build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters, increase in number there, don't decrease, and seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Prayer is not the big red eject button to get us out of our circumstance. Prayer is the glorious setting of the sails that we can tack with the wind of the Spirit and find out what He's saying and be able to navigate any waters that we are in the middle of, whether they be storming and surging or they're calm. We can find our way even in exile. And shine, shine with the light, shine with the gospel. Think footprint. It's not just about how many people are in a room. It's not just about how cool the renovations are in the facility. What is the footprint that you're creating? I know that's, that's a common language around here and such, but I think it's important. What is your footprint in the society? A footprint is proof that you were there. Similarly, a figurative kind of footprint is evidence of someone or something's presence or influence. Those that have turned the world upside down, it said of the early disciples, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that the people had been with Jesus. And the third thing, hospitality. Be inventive in hospitality. How can we be a safe refuge for people that need shelter, that need hospice, that need help, that need hope? Shine. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. 
Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. This is all the biblical framework of hospitality is all nestled in this verse. Hope, patience, faithfulness, sharing. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who would mourn. Live in harmony with each other. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Not help people of low position. Not give at the office so the poor slobs who are in low position get a little bit of help from some of us who are a little more privileged in society. No, we associate with them. We walk with them, arm in arm, demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom has come and we shine with our good deeds. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We of all nations here know sometimes it's just pretty hard to do. Don't take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, which isn't judgment. It's like the context is it's freezing cold out there. There was a, there was a particular custom of the day. There was a certain thing you wear in your head you could, that could hold hot coals and it would keep you warm. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good prophetic presence. My time is up. I'm going to end with this Celtic blessing. Let's open our hands for a moment. We have to be candles burning between hope and despair, faith and doubt, life and death, all the opposites. Man, you Celts are like super smart. We have to be candles burning between hope and despair, faith and doubt, life and death, all the opposites. Lord, I bless this community to find that radical middle space and to shine in the vibrancy and the tensions of life where everything around us is driving us to polarization and fracturization and isolation. Lord, we say, let this community, let this very Belfast city vineyard be a candle that shines between hope and despair, faith and doubt, and life and death. That is the disquieting place where people must always find us. And if our life means anything, if what we are goes beyond these walls at all and does some good, it is that somehow, by being here on these streets, on these hills, in this city, that by being here at peace, we help the world cope with what it cannot understand.
Let's stand together. David, thank you for that word. That really was a word for us on our journey at Belfast City Vineyard. Um, and probably for those of you that are visiting from other places, for you as well in your journey. Thank you for that, David. Like a sharpening of focus. So we say, come Holy Spirit, and just continue to sharpen our focus here to see what it is that you're saying to us and to discern what it means for each one of us. And we thank you that every person that is in this room right now has a part to play. There's an invitation to each one of us. Nobody's left out, isn't that wonderful? No one is left out. And so whatever your story is today, whatever you're facing, we just pray the peace and the blessing the aroma and the fragrance of the kingdom over your life. We pray for the week ahead, Lord, that we would see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.